1 Corinthians 14. We took a break last week. We will pray and then we'll read these first 19 verses and then probably end up in Genesis 11. Border confused, ain't he? <laughs> Father, help us. Breath of God fall upon us. And that still small voice. Grab our souls and teach us. Father, I think about our sister Nelda and what she sees as a crisis. And your Father, it is all around us. Lord, help us. Help us to be uh, discerning. Gentle as doves and shrewd as a serpent. But Father, let us not waver. Father, let us understand that it's not about us. It's about you. And that, Father, we have been given a privilege a treasure, a deposit. We have been entrusted with this precious treasure of Jesus Christ. And yet, Father, the outcome is yours. Father, let us rejoice and be thankful with every breath you grace us, every blessing you pour upon us, every trial and tribulation that afflicts us, Father, knowing that you are at work, your hand comforts in spite of what goes around us. Help us, Father. In Christ's name, amen. Let's read these first 19 verses of chapter 14. Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But one who prophesies edifies the church. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in a tongue, unless he interprets so that the church may receive edifying. Now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what will I profit you unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy or of teaching? Yet even lifeless things, either a flute or a harp, in producing a sound, if they do not produce a distinctive distinction in their tones, how will it be known what is played on the flute or on the harp? For if the bugle produces a distinct sound, who will propel himself for battle? So also you, unless you utter by the tongue speech that is clear, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are perhaps a many kind of languages in the world, and no kind is without meaning. If then I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be the one who speaks a barbarian, and the one who speaks will be a barbarian to me. So also you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to abound more for the edification of the church. Therefore, let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit. I will pray with the mind also. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the mind also. Also, Otherwise, if you bless in the spirit only, 
How will the one who fills the place of the ungifted say the amen at your giving of thanks since he does not know what you are saying? For you are giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not edified. I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. However, in the church, I desire to speak five words with my mind so that I may instruct others also rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. Interesting concept, don't you think? Let me bring everybody back to the planet that we're on. Last week we were in 2 Timothy. Uh, it's time to come back to Corinth. Okay? One of the things that you have to remember about this text, actually 12 through 14, this text, we call it the spiritual gifts. Chapter 12, verse 1, he says, I do not want you to be unaware of spiritual gifts. Okay? And he deals with it. Right? These are spiritual gifts. Then chapter 13, he says, at the end of chapter 12, he says, I want to show you a more excellent way. I want to show you a better way. Okay? I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts, but I want to show you a better way. And then boom, he hits us with chapter 13, love. The importance of love, the facets of love, and the priority that love has, and the preeminence that love is when it's conclusion, when all else is gone, you'll always have love. But then he starts out chapter 14 and he says, you guys have an issue in church and I want to deal with the issue. So it's obvious that this is an important issue because he takes a whole chapter to deal with the issue and he deals with two speaking gifts. But he starts it out with what word? What phrase? Pursue love. And everything that you do, what should be the primary focus of your pursuit? Love. Okay. Now then, here's what has happened. Here's what has happened today when I read that letter that there is a crisis in the church, okay? Um, I read that letter. I understand there's a lot of things that cause, are causing that crisis, but part of what is causing it, foundational problem, is the same thing that is in the church in Corinth. I just finished a book by a guy named Gardner, and he said, he, he, the title of his book was The Corinthian Catastrophe. Okay? Here's what the Corinthian Catastrophe is. Corinth had allowed the entire world system where they lived to infiltrate the church. Okay, please hear what I'm saying. They, they didn't keep anything out. What the world promoted, they incorporated into Christianity. Christianity. Okay, what do you see in the church today? I mean, there are extremes. I'll give you the extremes. There are some out there you just said, well, that there is crazy. Okay. There's a group here in Castle Rock today who have taken church out of their name because the word church is offensive. We want to be a community. And if you watched what happened there, I'm glad they removed church. Okay. Because I think you'd do better at being a community because you are not a church. Okay, here's what happens. And you can see this. I see this in the church today. And listen, don't go far. You don't have to go far. You don't have to mega church. No, 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 no. Look around your community. All right. In chapters one through four of this letter, the church had incorporated human philosophies. They were taking human philosophies and they were blending them with the teachings of God. In chapter 3, they were becoming hero worship. I had, I am of such and such, and I am of such and such. Tell me where I'm wrong today in the church in America. Okay? In chapters 5 and 6, they had embraced sexual immorality as freedom to the point that a man had his stepmother. And they were honoring it. Chapter 6, they were suing each other, taking each other to court in litigation. Chapter 7, they had the home and marriage all fouled up. 
I mean, you're more spiritual if you're single, so get divorced. Oh, no, you're more spiritual if you're married, so get married. It was just a mess. It was a mess. They had confused pagan feasts and festivals, idolatries, and things offered to idols in chapter 8, 9, and 10. And we're trying to run over people with this and quote, unquote, I am free in Christ. They had goofed up the place of a woman in the church in chapter 11, even to the point where they had perverted the Lord's table. They had messed up spiritual gifts, chapter 12. It had become an ego thing. And you know what? They had lost the one great thing, chapter 13, love. Now tell me, without looking at this letter, if I look around, what do I see? I look around. I, I, when I sit with a group of pastors here in Castle Rock, and their biggest burning spiritual problem is signs and placing of signs, I'm... We got a problem. That's it? Well, they won't let me put my sign up. Yeah, you know, I'll build my church, you boat of dead, and signs will stop it. What? What I call this, and I'll use this word on a regular basis, and I'll define the word for you so you don't get confused over it. Is what I call, and I'm going to say this, and, and people are going to get me, you know, well, what about following love? I follow love. I pursue love. I call it counterfeit. Okay? You know what a counterfeit is, right? It looks like the real thing. But it's counterfeit. And that is what had happened in the church. And we do need to follow love. Love needs to be preeminent, but love isn't a doormat. Love doesn't say let's embrace everything. You never get that in that text. Anywhere in scripture, actually. And there is a more excellent way, chapter 12, verse 31 says. Okay, but it is the love of Christ. That is, should be the thing that we should pursue. That should be the thing that overwhelms us. Okay, but there is a problem. In Revelation chapter 2, there was a church that was doctrinally sound. Confronted, had discernment, had confronted false teachers, had good Bible teaching all the time, was founded by the Apostle Paul. And yet they had a problem. Jesus had an offense against them. And you know what the offense was? They had lost their first love. They had lost their first love. It became about me. Remember what I said there? One of the facets of being uh, of love, the true overwhelming love that Jesus Christ is, it does not seek its own. It does not seek its own. One of the issues that is confronting the church today as the church in Corinth today is the gift of tongues. I do not want to downplay the importance of the gift of tongues. Please understand that. That is not what I'm, I'm here to do. I'm not here to bash people on it. I'm just here to tell you what the Bible says. It was a major issue in the city of Corinth or Paul would not have taken a whole chapter to deal with it. He'd never take a whole chapter and deal with tongues in Romans. You know what? He didn't do it in Ephesus. In Ephesus, we see the gift exercised. The disciples of John the Baptist received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what happened? They began to speak in tongues and languages. Okay, so when I don't want to ever downplay the gift, I don't want to downplay any of the gifts. But let me tell you something. If you take miraculous gifts, I mean, and what I mean by miraculous, I'm talking intervening into nature and changing it. Something that is not natural. That's when I, when I talk about miraculous gifts, you know, I've heard people find a parking place at the mall and say it was a miracle. Uh, no, somebody left. Okay, there ain't no miracle about it. You know, the miracle is, why would you be at the mall? But anyway, um, but do you see what I'm trying to get at? Okay, so when I talk about miraculous empowering, okay, 
That's when God's working. I talk about a time that the only way possible is supernatural God doing it. All right, that's what I'm talking about. Now listen, man does some bizarre stuff. He can take a vein out of your butt and put it in your heart and make you live longer. That is, that's weird. Okay, but but it's it's miraculous. Okay, um, my, my son was born C-section, and it was like a split screen TV without the TV. And my wife was sitting there just talking to me, and what they were doing to her looked like something I do when I go elk hunting. And I'm sitting there going, this ain't right. Doesn't that, you feel it? Oh, no. You don't feel nothing? Oh, that's weird. Now, the next day, she hated me. <laughs> but uh, during the birth, yeah, that's no problem. Okay. I, I want you to think about, when you think about the gift of tongues, okay, I, I've heard people tell me that it's all over the Bible. Okay, well, I happen to have been all over the Bible a few times. And I'll tell you where it is. Here in 1 Corinthians, all right, three times in the book of Acts. Okay, and there's one other time. And let's go to that. It'll be Genesis 11. Genesis 11. Let me explain to you what's going on. Okay. Um, There's been a great big flood and there's been a few generations out of it. Um, Noah has a grandson. uh, Noah's son, Ham, has a grandson named Cush. And Cush has a son. So this would be Noah's great grandson. And we all know his name. Nimrod. Have you ever noticed that nobody names their child Nimrod? You know, no one, you know, the most beautiful angelic name in the world, nobody names their child Lucifer. That's a rabbit's trail. I just thought, you know, nobody names your child Nimrod. But it says, the Bible says he was a great man on earth. But we never look at it that way, do we? You ever wondered why? Genesis 11. Let's jump right in the middle of it. The whole earth used the same language. Some, the Hebrew literally means the same lip. Okay? Um, or, and, and for the Hebrew to, to make that, the same lip means the same set of words. Okay? You know how the Septuagint translates it? You know what the Septuagint is? Greek translation of the Old Testament. Tongue. Glossary. Same word that you see in 1 Corinthians, same word that you see in the book of Acts. Interesting, don't you think? Anyway, it says here that they use the same language and the same words. Okay? And it came about as they journeyed east... Who's they? That would be all of them. That would be all of them. You know where Nineveh is? North would be the north east corner of what today it's right there on the border of Syria. Okay? That's where they were, and they start moving out of that, and they're headed toward a place. You know the place. Okay, they journeyed east and they found a plain, the litter of Shinar, and they settled there. Who did? Everybody. Okay, and they said, who's they? Everybody. Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven. And let us make for ourselves what? A name. Otherwise... We will be scattered abroad all over the face of the world. Now, what was wrong with that statement right there? Well, they're being boastful because they said they wanted to make a name for themselves. Okay? No. They were in disobedience to God. God had said, scatter, spread out. 
Why? Because it's a pain to have all of you in one place. <laughs> That's implied. <laughs> it's not in the text. But if you've ever been in a city, you're like, yeah, it's a pain to have all these people together. All right? But they're going to build them a city. They're going to do what? Make a name for themselves. What do you see there? Pride and abilities. Pride and abilities. Okay? But listen, when you have pride and you have abilities, you have something that is very necessary. What is it? You need to communicate. Don't you? You need to communicate. Here's what he says. And Yahweh came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And Yahweh said, Behold, they are one people, and they have the same language. And this is what they began to do, and now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Okay, stop right there. I want to give you a little highlight on the word impossible. Um, That ain't a good translation. It should be withheld from them. Withheld from them. Verse 7, come let us go down, and therefore what? Confuse their tongue, so that they will not understand one another's speech. So Yahweh scattered them abroad from all over the face of the earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there Yahweh confused the language of the whole earth, And from there, Yahweh scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. Now stop right there for a second. I want want us to think of this because he says, I want to confuse the tongues. Why? Because they're arrogant, they're prideful, and they are being disobedient to me. They're going to build a tower. I mean, you and I could say, well, you're going to build a tower to raise to heaven. What are you, an idiot? We've tried stranger things. Don't kid yourself. Okay? But he says, I want to confuse their languages. Now, listen, I've been in construction. If you couldn't speak American, we had a tough time. We had a tough time. It is tough to build a house with a person who don't speak your language. All right. So if you're trying to build a city, I don't if if it's tough to build a house, try to build a city with everybody saying something different. He confused the languages. Why? Listen, we can say, well, it was because of the pride of men, it was the disobedience of men, it was this, it is. Listen, do you understand that it is judgment? Do you understand that that's what this is? God said, you are that arrogant, you're going to what? Well, let me fix it, Mr. Smarty Britches. And he did. And now we have languages, and we've had languages. All right? Listen, I've got, I have been exposed to two interpreters. One guy, guy's named Sergey, and one guy is named Misha. And if you listen to them interpret while the other man's preaching, you don't know who's preaching. Okay, but let me tell you something. Neither one of them have, Sergey or Misha, have the gift of languages. They went to school. And they learned how to do it. I want us to understand this. Do you understand that the confusing of languages, the mixing up of languages, was God's judgment? Please understand that. So when you see the gift of tongues, do you understand what that is? That's God's grace and mercy. He doesn't do it to confuse. He doesn't do it to divide. He does it to unite. Because the gift, because of the confusing of languages, what did it do to mankind? It divided him. I mean, he may have been like-minded, but the truth of the matter is, if I can't communicate with you, it is useless. And you know what? We may be able to figure out, let's sit down and have a burger together, but it is going to be tough to build a rocket ship together. I mean, I'll give you a for instance. In Russia, 
they've, they've got the internet, and, and they this last year they picked up high speed. Um, <laughs> um, when they let it work, uh, but here's one of the problems. All right, they've got this cool thing on their computers that is it, is it tab shift? I don't remember which button it is. No, it's F2 tab shift. Okay, and all of a sudden it'll print in English. It's absolutely phenomenal. But there is a flaw. The keyboard's in Russian. Okay, now some of you who have the gift of typing could just say, well, that's easy. I just go. I don't have it. Some's in there going, where was they? Pooja, that's an I. Delete. And everybody says, well, why don't you email us? And then you get this email and it's about a half a sentence. And they said, well, and they, why did he spell it all wrong? Do you realize that to get that half a sentence takes me about an hour? I don't have the gift of keyboard. Okay? Please understand it. I can shift it so it prints in English, but I'm still looking down at what in the world is this stuff? Okay? So the next time you guys complain, I'm firing it off to you in Russian. Now I'll fix your little wagon. You know, I can't believe you just sent me one sentence. Wait till you get the next one. It'll be a paragraph long. And I hope your Slavic is up to speed. This is the kind of stuff that I try to share with people. Do you understand that the confusing of languages is a curse and the gift of languages is what? It is God's mercy and a divine intervention into the natural flow of what is happening. Why? Because it... Listen. Come, let us go and confuse their language. It isn't all of a sudden he took a group here and a group here and took them to a different little school and taught them a different language. They immediately got up in the morning and were speaking something that they weren't speaking the night before. That had to have been hilarious. (laughs) In a warped way. (laughs) I mean, well, that's just sort of my sense of humor. I mean, get up everybody speaking Hebrew. What? Happened and why are you drinking that way? Anyway, <laughs> put that pipe down. But <laughs> I don't understand a thing you're telling me. Uh, it's sort of like teenagers trying to speak to their parents. <laughs> what do you say? That was rad. Did it hurt? So do you, I want you to think about, when you think about the gift of languages, listen, Acts 2 tells me that the gift of tongues is what? Languages. It's languages. And there was a time right after the flood, two generations, where God says your arrogance and your rebellion has now caused me to come down and place a judgment upon you and you will not be able to communicate with one another. And birthed the, all the nations came out of that Tower of Babel, what you know as Babylon. Guess where it concludes? Babylon. All right? It's like a big old circle. Okay? So I, I want you to understand this because he confused the languages. Why? Because of rebellion. Well, you know what another name for that is? Sin. Shh. I'm just morally challenged. Okay, we don't want to call it sin. Okay. He confused the languages to show that he had come and he is reconciling. What did he do? Some had the ability to speak a language that they never had the ability to speak. Why? Because I need to give you a new net message. And you can see this three times in the book of Acts. You see. Now remember the book of Acts. I get people trying to tell me the book of Acts is divided in two. You have the Acts of Peter and you have the Acts of Paul. Uh-uh. The book of Acts is divided in one. Acts of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Please understand that. The book ain't about Peter or Paul or John or Mary. But anyway... I'll let you ponder that one for a while. Some of you are going, what? Mary, Mother Jesus. I don't remember. <laughs> Three times I see, the, I see tongues. The gift of language. First time, Jerusalem. Holy Spirit comes upon the crowd. Uh, they're gathered in the upper room. Holy Spirit takes over. And it's just 
stuns everybody. And they have the ability to preach the gospel, divine revelation through their own languages. Second time, a Gentile who was involved in the Jewish community, had built them a synagogue. The Holy Spirit comes upon them and there's a whole bunch of Jews around. And guess what? They had the ability to speak in languages. Third time, Ephesus, church in Ephesus. Paul is trying to found a church. He's been in a synagogue preaching like he normally did. He'd run into the disciples of John the Baptist. He asked them about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They said, no, but we know John's baptism, baptism of repentance. He says, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you shall be saved. And boom, they get it. And guess what happened? The ability to speak in a language that was not new to them. So you have this place, how many centuries ago, huh? Not known to them. Okay. Um, You have this place several centuries ago, Babel where God confused the languages as judgment. Then God in his reconciliation brings back and empowers men to speak in a language that they did not know. And they were to speak a message that they had just heard that was just being revealed, the message of a new age. It is a gift. It is miraculous. The true gift, God-given miraculous gift, and it was given as a sign, and it was given as a sign that removes confusion. Please hear me. The gift of tongue is for clarity. It is not for confusion. Got it? Why? Because he says, I would prefer that you had a gift that does something in the church. The gift that you see people trying to exercise today brings about confusion listen you all speak english i do not need the gift of languages i don't need it if you were all hebrew or ethiopian i think they speak english anyway uh, pick a country that don't chinese then i need the gift or somebody who went to school who knows the two Okay. Jews want a sign. Greeks want knowledge. Please understand, when God is working, it, he doesn't do it to confuse the issue. He does it to clarify it. Listen, God is a God who communicates. He speaks to us through his word. You know, people say, well, does God ever talk to you? Every day. Every day. He really talks to you? Uh-huh. Every day. Every day. That's why he's got a book. (laughs) And I kind of read his book. And that's sort of how he... I I look at 66 love letters from God to me. Okay? They're not for you. They're for me. Just kidding. Just kidding. What about not seeking your own? I'm not. I'm against love letter. Okay. Go to uh, uh, Hebrews. Chapter 1. You see, that's the H right after G. Hebrews chapter 1. Okay, this letter, the emphasis is written to a Jewish community. Absolutely. Okay, Jews are seeking a what? Sign. Show me a trick. Okay, that is, do you understand? That is probably the greatest condemnation that the nation of Israel has. I mean, if you think about it, for three years, death and disease stopped. In Israel. And this is the people who want a sign. Show me you're of God. He overcame natural problems. He come over, overcame supernatural. Demons didn't even have a chance against him. And he didn't even arm wrestle them. Go, shoot. Go get in the pig. Do you understand that? There was not a force on the planet Earth he did not have absolute authority over. I mean, I remember the time when I was reading, studying Matthew and they were on the boat on the Sea of Galilee and the waves were crashing over it and Jesus was asleep up in the bow of it and they're all in the back going, we're going to die, we're going to drown. And Jesus sat up and says, be still. And it says that the water went flat. And it says they became terribly afraid. <laughs> Dude, I would have been too. I'd have left. I'm out of here. The guy makes the waves stop. I mean, it's one thing to say, wow, it's starting to clear up. 
No, he made it. We go fly water. I'm out of the boat. I don't need this boat. Let me drown. I hope there's a shark in here. Do the bait thing. How are you a missionary? <laughs> Jonah. He taught as no other man. They wanted a sign and he did everything that is possible. There was not an institution, there was not a natural effect that he did not have absolute authority over. And their conclusion? He's doing it by the power of the devil. Brilliant. I love it when education comes together. Chapter 1, verse 1. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets and in many portions in many ways. You know what that is? The fathers would be the Jewish fathers. It's been passed down from Moses. He spoke through Moses. He spoke through Joshua, Elisha. He threw all the prophets, Daniel, Micah, you name it, they got them. All right, Nathan, all the prophets. He spoke, he spoke, he spoke, he spoke. He wrote it down. Here it is, it's preserved. In these last days has spoken to us in his son whom he appointed heir over all things through whom he made all. You got that? I'm thinking I'm seeing something here. God is a God of communications. Correct? Key. The gift of tongues you see activated in three instances, and there's always a key component. You know what the key component is? Jews. The three times you see the gift of tongues through the power of the Holy Spirit, a true language being used, there's always Jewish people present. Always. Why? God used language, the ability to communicate as a sign to authenticate that the person speaking was a messenger from God with the message of God. And this goes all the way back to Elijah in Elisha. He says, I will speak through my prophets. Pay attention. That's what he says there in verse 1, Hebrews 1. I will speak through my prophets. Supernatural, but I will do miracles through them so that you know that it is I who am bringing this to you. Okay? Basically, if you really wanted to comprom- or complete it, you'd say it was let the Jewish world know. You know, that's why people make fun of me. It's kind of a joke that they have that, you know, people say, you know, we, we speak in tongues in our church. And, you know, what do you think about that? I said, bummer. They said, what do you mean bummer? And I said, it means you've got a bunch of non-believing Jews in your church. And they go, what? And never mind. Some had the ability to speak a language they didn't know. They didn't know. I mean, if I all of a sudden woke up tomorrow morning and could speak fluent Russian, that's a gift of tongues. Because I've tried to study it. <laughs> and that don't work. Okay, please understand. This gift is always, is always, is always, is always a known language. You don't speak a language that nobody knows. Well, it's an angelic language. When the angels speak to us, they don't speak Swahili. If an angel talks to you, he's going to talk to you in American. If you're in China, he's going to talk to you in Chinese. He ain't going to, well, I'm going to speak Hebrew. (laughs) And uh, Now then, I need to give you something. When you think about the gift of tongues, I have to understand that it's a gift. It comes from God. It is God's mercy. It is God's sovereignty. It is God's grace. And it is God's power. Don't ever walk out of here and think that I don't think the gift of tongues ain't important. 
Okay? But, I know this emphatically. I know it from the study of Scripture, and I know it from what I see in my life. Anytime God does something, Satan counterfeits it. Satan counterfeits it. And I see ecstatic, uh, excitable babble that is trying to be played off as the gift of tongues. And in the church in Corinth and in the church in America, the true gift has been confused with, and hear me well, pagan stuff. It's paganism. It's mysticism. I went back and started looking around and I was stunned how easy it was to find ecstatic speech in religions, pagan religions. Everything from the Native Americans, Indians, whatever you want to call them, the Buddhists do it, the Catholics do it, and and the Catholics, where did the Catholics get it? China. Where did the Chinese get it? Buddhism, Hinduism, they all have it. The Greeks had it. The Romans had it. I could just, I just take off cruising along. I mean, Plato, if you read the dialogue, it's chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter about this ecstatic mystery religion, they called it. You know what the Greek term for the mystery religion is? It's a fascinating word. Fascinating word. Eros. Erotic was the mystery religion. And Christianity wants to put part of this into it. I'll ask you the question. Who's influencing who? I go back to my text. And I look at the church in Corinth and I have to say, who's influencing who? It's all over the world. The true gift has been perverted. I have never heard a person speak in tongues. Legitimate. Never have. I've seen two yahoos that everybody knows. Uh, Rodney Howard Brown and uh, Kenneth Copeland telling jokes on stage in tongues. Laughing their butts off and it was really bizarre about it the whole crowd big old call sinful people they were all laughing too and I thought you have no idea what they're saying because the punchline was in the front I heard I interpreted <laughs> and they said they're going to give me $5,000 for my building fund okay but you see what I'm trying to get at listen I don't want to downplay the gift of tongues why who confused languages to start with who can unconfuse them you know, when we all get to heaven, we're all going to speak the same language. Okay? And please, I do not know what it is. Okay? But I bet it ain't Russian. But anyway. so that's the weirdest alphabet I've ever seen. Of course, if you can all speak it and you all know it, then you don't need an alphabet. Do you? I don't know. I, I share that to lay the foundation for what we're going into. Okay, it's easy for us to get on our high horses and say, tongues is this and it stopped and it ceased and all the rest of it. Listen, you know where I stand. I've taught enough on this. But it's obvious if there was a problem in the Corinthian church, and I can look around and know there's a problem in the American church. I know that. Uh, you know what's amazing is I go to, go to Russia, they got no problem with this. They understand what spiritual gifts are for and why. And that's one of the things that amazes me is why did the church say, well, what is the gift for? There's got to be a reason for the gift. But I want you to think about something. I'm going to close with this thought, okay? I just want you to think about this. Take all the gifts, okay? I don't care what you, you can have your own list. There's 18, there's 24, there's power to two. You know, I don't know, okay? I don't know if the scripture even writes them all out. They may not write them all out. They say, man, you guys got these so messed up. Why would I tell you what the rest of them are? When you look at the gifts, all the gifts, and whether you believe some of them are still here or they're all gone or whatever, okay, ask yourself a simple question. 
out of all the gifts. Okay, now get specific. I'm talking about miraculous gifts. Now listen, for me to get up and stand in front of people and talk is miraculous. You just don't understand it. I am not a people person. I do not have an outgoing personality. I don't like crowds. Okay, so for me to speak in front of people is a miraculous gift. And everybody says, well, you seem comfortable. I'm not. (laughs) Trust me. Okay. But when you think about the miraculous gifts, out of all the miraculous gifts... Which is the easiest to counterfeit? Just a question, because know this emphatically. Every time God does something, the counterfeiter waits, and he'll work. And he'll work. I believe that the biggest problem, because the term here that is used is glossolalia, okay? And it's this spirit, this experience. And this mystery religion that was blended in is based on feelings and emotions. Okay? I believe that what you see today in the body of Christ, body of Christ globally, but foremost here in America, is what I call the experiential church. The church wants an experience. And I believe it is a reproduction of what has happened, what had happened in the church in Corinth. Okay? This is my firm belief that the church, because of its deadness in its years of ignorance of the true working of the Holy Spirit. I mean, most people call the Spirit, Holy Spirit it. It is a he. It ain't an it. That was cousin. I'll let you guys ponder that one. <laughs> Little hairy dude. It's all right. Some of you are going, what? Cousin? He, because of an, er- er- an ignorance of who he is and his work and a lack of Bible teaching in many places, people looked and they didn't see anything significant happening. And so people in the church, they began to reach out to seek. They, they wanted to feel God, feel his presence, sense the reality of God. And you know what happened? Satan's counterfeit come flooding through the door. And I think most of what you see in the church today is a counterfeit. And I'll take that on a big broad brush. Most of what I see the church doing is of the world. It's just what the world does. And uh, I think that part of that is basically an ignorance of spiritual gifts. Uh, It's a lack of Bible teaching. I definitely know that. Okay, and and you know, if you got a lack of Bible teaching, then um, there is an ignorance of the Holy Spirit. What what does He do? And and uh, what's amazing, He gets blamed for everything, him or Satan. <laughs> the devil made me do it, or the Holy Spirit did it. And most of the time, uh, it's the counterfeit. So we'll pick this up next week. I, I wanted to kind of lay a foundation because where did tongues come from? The same person who said that you're going to have to have it. All right. He confused the languages as judgment. And yet he comes back in and gives a supernatural gift for the edification of those who would be received into the kingdom. And yet a continuation of the condemnation of the nation of Israel. I like that. He multitasked. Before we even knew what multitasking was. Okay? But the key to the text, the key to understanding the gift of tongues is this. What was it for? What is it for? What is the gift for? And I've already dealt with that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for doing miracles on a a moment-by-moment basis. And the greatest miracle is to take blind, naked, depraved enmities that we are 
and make us holy, righteous as Jesus Christ in you. What great, I, I don't have. That gives a whole new meaning, Lord, to raising the dead. We have been raised in Christ to walk in the newness of life. Father, may we be overwhelmed with that truth. Father, these are difficult times. And yet, Father, you already have the victory. Father, I pray for your people. Pray for me. Father, we pursue love. And yet, Father, we don't leave doctrine in that pursuit. Father, grow us. Communicate unto us to those with the gift of prophecy, with the gift of teaching, gift of knowledge and wisdom. Father, with those who have the gifts, the serving gifts, that Lord, all they do is their actions speak of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Help us to see that what happens is the divine creator overwhelming and invading the soul of the creation conforming it into the image of our Savior. To your glory and to your praise in Christ's name.